You are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Blue by Lyra Cara on AO3. He doesn't believe in chance anymore. He can't believe in it because he can't believe that there could have been things along the way that would have prevented his wife from dying. He's had a disavow serendipity and the unordered. He can't think about the series of things in his life, in theirs, that could have led to a different outcome. He believes in order now. He believes that things line up as they are supposed to, and good or bad, there is, a, there is little that he can do to change any of it. He believes in fate, and that there is a predestined path for him. Defying his own mortality time and time again, he doesn't think that's about his skill, but rather about his time not having arrived yet. He tells himself he's got a purpose, something more that he's been kept around for, something bigger than his family, because if God had been solely looking out for the stablers, then surely he would have kept Kathy and taken Elliot. And so he's been waiting all these months, this past grueling year, to finally meet that purpose. He met that purpose today. He's nine, and they aren't blood-related, but they are soul-related, and he knows that because, again, he doesn't believe in chance. His bones immediately recognized the purpose he'd been waiting for. His blood thrummed again. His chest had expanded, air rushing in. Yeah, he'd met his purpose briefly before, when the heavy cloud of grief had distorted everything before him. But today... Today he hadn't been blinded. Today that purpose had presented itself, loudly and clearly, a gift, almost lit from above as if God himself had said this, this is why. She'd been radiant and green, but it was the blue, the clear, beckoning eyes of her son that had struck him to the point where he had almost lost his balance. Those eyes, they aren't based in science or genetics. They don't belong to any other man, to any other lineage. Those eyes of her child, they were preordained, so that in this moment, Elliot would shed the fog and the fear, the failings and the folly. He doesn't believe in chance, and her child, his eyes, are a reflection, precisely the same lagoon blue as his own. Fate. They are in his home now. They are here, and that in itself is a miracle, both stunning and expected, both mind-bending and ordinary. He'd run into her, to them, on a street corner this afternoon, on Mother's Day. And she might call it a coincidence or happenstance, but he sees the signs for what they are. He'd been holding flowers, white ones for his wife's gravesite, white for grace and peace, for longevity and delicacy, because his memories are to be protected. White, because Kathy had been light, bright, airy, and sometimes their love had been as quiet as a whisper, something that had floated between them, a simple, practical, and uncomplicated understanding. White, because it is the color of the past, the color of ghosts and mists and heaven. His mother's flowers had been pink, frivolous and flighty, but beautiful all the same. Pink because it reminds him of femininity and perpetual hope, 
of love and dreams and sweet things that never quite touch the ground. Pink, because his mother sees the world that way, in soft colors and in shades of eternal spring. And before him had stood Olivia. She'd always been every other color in his world. And at that moment, the sun had fallen on her shoulders. And at that moment, the sun had fallen on her shoulders. Olivia, she had stolen his breath yet again, vibrant and full of contrasts. That Kelly green dress of hers had been blowing in the wind, and her eyes had been nearly luminescent black. Her hair had lifted, strands of copper and gold and bronze waving as she looked up at him. There had been no recoil in her, no shielding of her son. She'd been glimmering, radiant and all white teeth, shimmering gloss and big smiles. She'd introduced him finally to Noah, and that child of hers. He'd stood with his back straight and given a trusting smile and handshake, unafraid. Noah, with those blue familiar eyes, with his easy fist bump and his formal jacket, dressed to take his mother on the date she so deeply deserved. Noah, who had clearly given his mother a collage, a tribute of love and history and stability captured in a single frame. Noah, who had offered up the afternoon and evening to anything his mother wanted, if only he could get an ice cream. Elliot had asked her to come for dinner tonight, and she had called him an hour later to say they were on their way. His house is now filled with his family, their noise, the toys for the little ones, the food cooking, the intermittent tears, the sharing of memories, the laughter. And her, her child, her son, here. They are on the patio right now. Elliot stands alone in the kitchen, just watching her listen to his mother as she describes every plant she is planting for the garden. Through the glass of the floor-to-ceiling window panes, he sees her rubbing her child's back. He sees her boy stand there politely, participating in a conversation he probably doesn't care about, just to please his mother on her special day. He watches them, and he feels the heat of recognition flare in his blood. Desire for her always, but need, need to make all of this his, to claim it, to accept the purpose, to revel in it, wear it, breathe freely because of it again. He feels conviction run through him, feels it pulse in his fingertips and his chest, feels the roar of righteousness and the drive of inevitability. He knows what this is, what this is, as surely as he'd known over 35 years ago when he'd held his first child for the first time. His. He doesn't deserve it. He's done everything to justify losing it, and yet here it all is, the two of them, standing on his patio with his mother, as if fate had finally outmuscled all of his choices. His. He doesn't have them yet, he knows that. He hasn't earned it yet. He knows there are no guarantees. But as his hands flatten on the counter, as he focuses wholly on them, as the sun settles on his eyelashes, as he finds peace with the white flowers left against stone miles away, he knows there are reasons for all of it. She deserves some protection. She has for too long. She deserves to be sheltered, to be safe, to be loved. There are reasons, damn it, that she isn't with anyone else. And the boy... 
He recognizes this child he doesn't really even know yet. He recognizes him as deeply and fully as he'd known Eli, as easily as he'd loved Richard, as quickly as he devoted himself to protecting Maureen and Kathleen and Liz. It's an overwhelming feeling, one that sucks him in, twists him around. This boy, Noah, he is also his responsibility. His heart, his to protect. Instantly, intrinsically. It's as if someone has handed this child to him at birth. Wrapped in a blanket and said, he's yours. It's that roaring feeling, that parental need to burn down everything that stands in the way of this child's happiness and joy. It's a need to insulate, to provide, to teach, and to love. Love. And she'd known it would be like this. God, she had known, and that strikes him now. This is why she had kept him away from her child. She hadn't been holding him back until she had been ready to share her son. She'd been holding him back until Elliot had been ready to meet him. Until he had been ready to love Noah, without leaving either of them ever again. She'd known that one look at her son, and the boy would be his heart. She'd known because she'd had experience. She had loved his children the same way, as if they too were hers, right from the very first glance. It's his mother and Olivia who save the day and keep it whole. His kids are gathered, his grandsons, his son-in-law. There is a sizable dining table outside now, courtesy of Kathleen using his credit card to purchase things she calls essentials, and he thinks she's right. A table like this, with room for ten on the patio, it had been needed. Ten. With Karen and Seamus still far too young to be confined to a seated dinner, Olivia and Noah had rounded out the number perfectly, filled the seats that are so rightfully, easily theirs. His mother had taken one end, a place of honor, and the other end had remained empty in the minutes before the food was served. It had been Kathleen who had taken charge of filling it. It's Mother's Day, she'd said quietly to Olivia. That's your seat. Olivia had been startled, her eyes widening in surprise, an ache for all of them. It's Maureen's now, Olivia had said softly, shaking her head. His oldest daughter had laughed. With these two monsters trying to destroy the loft, that seat will remain empty half of dinner while I chase them. Sit, Olivia. Maureen, usually stoic and practical, had winked at Olivia. Get used to that seat. Olivia, intuitive and unassuming, ever aware, had looked across the room and immediately met Eli's eyes, looking for permission. He was the youngest, the one who will miss the most with his mother, the one who needed his mother the deepest, still and maybe forever. Eli, despite the wounds he still wore in his expression from the loss, had smiled a little and nodded. Even he recognized the way the Stabler Canyons weren't quite as sharp when Olivia was around. And so Olivia sat, gingerly and gingerly and noticeably uncomfortable at first. But she'd plated food for her son, she'd thanked the girls and his mother for the cooking, and they'd toasted with the wine she had brought. She laughed, albeit quietly, and when the kids had reminisced openly about Mother's Days in the past with Kathy, she'd finally looked up and met Elliot's eyes. 
Only you can fill that seat, he'd tried to tell her silently. He thinks she understood, because her expression had softened, and she'd smiled. It was a smile he was starting to learn was only for him. Half shy, half impish, she'd try to hold his gaze, but then she'd duck her head, her cheeks coloring. When she finally locked eyes with him again, they were always glimmering a little bit, and it stole his breath every time. Olivia Benson, breathless, coy, flirting, with him. She was the captain of the world with a delicate heart. Ballsy and blushing, and he could barely eat because it meant taking his eyes off her. The dinner had produced two sinks full of dishes, and the boys had taken over that duty. Richard and Carl and Eli creating an assembly line method. Richard now scrapes, Carl washes, and Eli dries and puts them away. Elliot is opening another bottle of wine to give the girls on the patio when he sees it happen. Noah, standing off to the side, rolling his sleeves up carefully, pressing every fold back perfectly and evenly. Noah, who looks up at Elliot with stabler blue eyes, almost as if asking for permission. Extra towels are in the third drawer to your left, buddy, Elliot says, his voice rumbling and thick with emotion. Noah just nods and grins. Thanks. And as the cork slides out of the bottle, Elliot watches Noah insert himself between Carl and Eli, taking the next plate to dry it before handing it to Eli. He stills, blinking against the onslaught of possessiveness that rushes through him. It's ferocious, the strength of it. This little boy, hers, who has been given the infinite gift of Olivia, but who has lived without a father. This little boy who makes his mother presents and gives her hugs and who still holds her hand. And Elliot suspects Noah does that more for Olivia's sake than his own. This little boy, hers, who has taken on protecting his mother from the time of his birth, long before the child even knew what he'd done for Olivia. A little boy who had taken on a role Elliot had once filled. Olivia's guardian. Elliot stands by the kitchen island and pours himself a healthy glass of the thick red liquid, downing a quarter of the glass to stop his hands from shaking. He watches Noah, the mop of curls bobbing up as he looks up at Carl and Eli flanking him. Elliot sees what the kid is doing, how he's just assessing where he fits. He hears Noah try to participate in the conversation and listens to how even Eli includes him. There's an energy in Noah, an adult sensibility mixed with a childlike wonder that guts Elliot, and it takes another sip of the wine before he recognizes it, before he understands why that unique dichotomy is making him breathe heavily and is making his fists curl with a need to shelter. Noah is his mother's son, and where his eyes mirror Elliot's, his personality, his soul, that is all his mother. Elliot looks out of the windows now, catching Olivia watching him. For as tough and as worldly as she is, she too is looking at him the same way her son had. They both brace themselves. They are both wary, yet filled with wonder, and they both show a vulnerable reveal. There is a missing piece in both of them. He looks back at Olivia and hopes she sees the same in him, because for the last ten years, 
There has been a missing piece in him, too. Two missing pieces, until now. He knows they are leaving soon. It's a school night, and his kids have already started to pack up. Maureen and Carl had left with their boys 15 minutes ago, and Richard had made his exit just afterwards. Elliot sits on the foot of his bed, hunched over, forearms on his knees. He should be in that kitchen, saying his goodbyes, but he'd needed a minute. His chest hasn't unfurled on the last few hours, and the sensation is almost choking him. He hears the girls talking, hears his mother insisting on packing food for Olivia, telling her that she knows she works too much, and she will cook for her once a week, and Olivia is protesting, telling his mother they get by. He hears Noah, that small voice asking, as only a child can, if he can take more of the cookies home too. Elliot hasn't cried in months and months. He'd done it after Kathy had died, but that had quieted in him, and he'd learned to navigate that grief. But he might cry now. His eyes are burning, and he can't fucking breathe. The grief in him now is swirling, and it's forming. It's organizing, and when the idea takes shape, he knows it's going to be a destructive tornado. He's missed this child's life. He's missed Olivia's life with her son. He's lost so much, but this is a slicing wound. It's the kind of pain that he's afraid will roar out of him. How? How could he have missed her holding her baby? She'd rocked this child to sleep, gone through sleepless nights. She'd picked schools and worried about him every day. This boy, he'd taken his first steps. He'd had his first day at school. He'd made Christmas lists. And he'd done all of that without any consistent father in his life. Olivia. She'd wrapped those presents at night alone. It's brutal, the pain that sweeps through him now. It took Noah being here tonight for him to fully realize the details of his profound loss. He feels his breaths coming fast now. Even as he is peripherally aware of the front door opening and closing behind Liz and Kathleen. They're his family, he thinks. Olivia and Noah, and he'd left them. He'd missed so much. And his mistake is unforgivable, unfixable, untenable. He'd failed that child. Not that Olivia and Noah had needed him, but he had needed them. He knows who that boy is. Noah is his, simply because he is Olivia's. And he should have been here. He should have been here for all of it. Elliot presses the heels of his hands into his eyes, and the tears sting. His back heaves. His chest can't hold it. Not anymore. It's why I held back, she says gently. Olivia is standing in the open doorway to his room, and he can't do this in front of Noah or Eli or his mother. He's fucking crying, as if he has any right to mourn his own choices when they'd cost everyone else through no fault of their own. She closes the door behind her as she steps into his bedroom, but she stays near it, her hand on the doorknob. He just nods, unable to look up at her and face the magnitude of his need, his want, his absolute dedication to the two of them. He's bound to come across as desperate, no matter how hard he tries to articulate his apologies. I knew when you saw him. Her voice barely hovers above a whisper. 
that you'd love him like this completely absolutely that you'd do anything for him no matter the cost he doesn't know how she could have known that not when he'd left her not when he'd abandoned her with no explanation he looks up at her because she's seen him crying before She's seen his red eyes, and she's never run from them. How did you know it would be this? Olivia's lips lift into half a smile, and she comes closer, lingering two feet in front of him. Her eyes are shimmering with tears, too, but they reflect an inordinate amount of compassion. Because I've been through it. When Eli was born and I held him, I knew, Elliot. I knew I'd forever do anything for him. He stares at her, at the grace of her, that green dress with its feminine frills, the wind-blown hair, the impractical shoes, ones that Captain Benson would never wear, but Olivia does. She's all curves and freckles, and the armor is down tonight. She's so beautiful, and by God, he loves her. It brings a fresh wave of agony surging through him. You didn't come after me when I left. I never understood it, because in the reverse, I would have been a selfish bastard. He shakes his head, dropping his chin, because he gets it now. You stayed away for Eli. He hears her gasp, the tiniest cry before she draws in a deep breath, steadying herself again. He needed you. He deserved you. And you deserved him. I always knew you would have come back for me if I asked. I did. Her whisper is not thick with grief, but with patience, love, tenderness. Eli, he needed protecting too. So you protected him at your own expense. He's got to dry his eyes. He has to be able to look at her. As it is, he's squinting, staring off through the windows in front of him, as the world falls together. Olivia moves then, and those delicate gold shoes stand between his spread legs. They are the perfect shoes for her, both feminine and sturdy. She stands in them like Dorothy facing down the tornado, unafraid and ready for whatever it may bring. Her hand falls to his shoulder, letting him know she's there, with him, through this. You'd do the same for Noah. Her acceptance, the utter understanding, it's rife with forgiveness. It breaks him, it shears him in half. The absolute weight of their sacrifices, all the prices paid because they both love too much, too deeply, too completely. He cracks, and his back shudders as the relief gives way to intention. It's the only relief for pain. He has learned. He just has to find a way to heal something else to make the pain worth something in the end. I need him. Elliot says it gently, but there are no other options. Olivia settles her free hand on his other shoulder, and that's all he can take. Elliot wraps his arms around her, pulls her closer so his face can burrow against the safety and softness of her chest. She holds him, as she had months ago, but this is not of worry or fear tonight. She brushes her fingers over the back of his neck and sighs. I know. He needs you too. And you? He says it into the fabric of her dress, 
the denim of her jacket rubbing against his neck. I just, if we do this, Olivia stiffens for a second, and he can smell the magnolia of her, feel the steady, even press of her heart against his cheek. You have to be all in, because for me, there won't be anyone after you. He closes his eyes against her. That was it. The generous reprieve. She's got both of them in this moment, and she's giving them a way forward. Olivia? He finally pulls back and looks up at her because she needs to know once and for all. For me? There hasn't been anyone since you. It's not a sin, not this, that he has loved her, that she is his beauty and grace. That isn't wrong. They were given each other. He feels that in his bones. And they were also given this chance. The sin would be to waste the time, to keep dancing between each other without ever actually taking hold. He stands then, and she lets him. She backs up a step, and he rises, his hands drawn to that tangled, silky hair of hers, the strands that drive him to the brink of sanity. There are people waiting for them on the other side of the door, so there isn't time for any other firsts tonight. He presses his lips against her forehead, and he hears her make a small sound of relief, of pleasure, before she sinks slightly into it. Acceptance. Mom! It's a small voice, because her son is still young. He's tired, and he's waiting for her, and Elliot will always let her go for the sake of her child, as she had done for him. He drops his hands, a monumental sacrifice, but one that he is willing to make. She smiles at him as she steps back, her dark eyes locking on his. Olivia grins a little. If you ask us out again, I'll say yes. Elliot laughs, reddened eyes and all. Good to know, he teases. He can see the way she brightens, and that smile is back, his smile. She opens the door, and her son is standing there, with sleepy eyes and yet not complaining at all, because he's got a big, thick chocolate chip cookie in one hand. Grandma Stabler? It's okay to call her that, she said, because she's a grandma. Well, a great-grandma, too. But she said I could have another one. Noah is the picture of innocence, even as he takes a bite of his third cookie of the night. I'm tired, he continues, oblivious to the waves of emotion that swirl around him, oblivious to the way his life has just changed, the way all of their lives have just been altered, healed, filled with promise. Elliot sidesteps Olivia, and he can't help it. He swoops the kiddo up, and as soon as he's sure Noah isn't actively eating, he easily tosses him over his shoulder. He hears Noah's mock protests that he's too big to be carried, he hears the child breathlessly ask when he can come back over. He hears Olivia saying, miraculously, maybe next weekend. He feels the weight of her child hoisted on his shoulders, where the boy belongs and will forever remain. Elliot looks across the room. His mother is standing there, clutching a dish towel to her chest, packages at the ready on the counter for Olivia. 
His mother is smiling, that lost, faraway thing she does when she's at peace. His daughter even stops, turning at the sound of Noah's laughter as Elliot's fingers instinctively tickle into the child's side. The house suddenly infused with the peals of a young boy who isn't used to being tossed around, but who needs the rough housing anyway. It's the unfettered sound of joy filling a home that desperately needs it. It's the sound of a new start, of a foundation settling in, of an opening being made. It's the sound of a chance being taken. Even Eli peeks his head out of his room and stops. And where Elliot might expect pain, instead, he sees Eli manage a smile. They've all needed this. See you next weekend, Noah? Eli asks. Noah's face is red, and he's still half upside down on Elliot's shoulder. For sure, he manages. But you gotta tell your dad to let me go, he laughs. Elliot finds Olivia, and her eyes are full of hope. She's stunning and soft, and the universe had gotten something right, even while they had been apart, because she is gloriously, completely, and effortlessly a mother. And Elliot loves her. Noah's out of luck, Elliot thinks because he will never, ever let either of them go again. Happy Mother's Day, Elliot says quietly, as Olivia comes closer to rub her son's back. She looks up at him through her lashes, and he knows instantly that one day, maybe soon, there will come a Father's Day when he will call himself a father of six. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.